Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Creative Waffle. Today I'm chatting with VaynerMedia designer Chris Logston. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing well, thank you, thank you. Thanks for thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Brilliant. Well, the first question for you is, what's your favorite logo and why? Oh man, such a loaded question. Um, to be honest, with you I don't think there I don't think there's one really. I mean, there's there's so many out there that I think I've I've um, you know I've fallen in love with. Um, but you know, it, specifically as of recently, I've kind of gotten into a lot of this like kind of industrial type of um, design, and specifically the logo. So uh, here in Chattanooga, we're surrounded by um, a lot of trains. Um, there's a huge just like kind of trucking and train industry here. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been seeing just a lot of these old industrial logos that kind of sit on the sides of trains and trucks. And these things are probably like 30 or 40 years old. And they're just, they're, they're quite beautiful. It's big, bold, um, you can tell well thought out logos um, that have a purpose. And I think, um, you know, getting to that point about like logos that actually work and aren't necessarily created just to be a beautiful thing. I think that's what I, I kind of love the most when, you know, when I'm looking at logos or when I describe logos that I, um, I, I quite enjoy, it's just those logos, um, that certainly um, serve a purpose, and they aren't just created to uh, to be something beautiful to look at. It should kind of be a, 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 a molding or a melding of, of, of both, right? You know, you look at something like the old UPS logo that Paul Rand did, you know, and it served such a great purpose because it actually explained what what the company did, right, with the little package up top. Um, so I just, I, I, you know, I, I guess I, um, to answer your question, I just fall in love, love with logos that sort of, um, certainly tell what it is that the, the company does. And that again, that they're, they're well designed and have a nice aesthetic to them besides just being our, as opposed to just logos that were just created to look good, which I think we see a lot today. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily serve a purpose. So I just love when the functionality and the form come together quite nicely, um, to create a beautiful mark. Exactly, the, the six sort of the sixties, seventies, and eighties, like the ones that have survived from that era, those eras have, they're the ones that you're talking about, right? Yeah, and in those logos that you know, and it's almost a testament to those logos that are still used today that were created around that time, and maybe even earlier. Like these logos can still exist in the world that we live in today because um, they serve a purpose, and uh, you can tell the designer put some thought conceptually into um, why they were they were making the the logo and the lines and the art that they were making. Um, so yeah, the best logos can stand the test of time, and I think we're seeing some of that even in, uh, in today, where some of these logos are still around that were created 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Um, those are great, man. Those are some great, beautiful marks. Do you, th- do you think there'll be many from sort of this era that have, that will survive? I hope. <laughs> I mean, time will tell, right? I mean, I, I can't sit here and say this one or that one, but um, I certainly hope so. You know, in a lot of the work that I try to do. Um, today, I kind of you know try to put my hat on and say, well, this you know uh, my creative hat on and say, will this sort of stand the test of time? Is it simple enough? Does it telegraph what it is that this this company or this business or this entity is doing? And you just cross your fingers to hope that um, it, it does, because again, that's when you truly kind of unearth um, a really really good marker logo. Perfect. Thanks very much. Um, what's the number one place you go to when researching design? Um, number one place, I think nowadays Google. Um, sort of the first part of my process, literally, um, you know, if you, if you would have asked me that question years ago, I probably would have said books, but I think just with the technology we have now, it's so easy to hop on and just Google some of that stuff. So, um, yeah, you know, if I'm working on, let's say a golf logo, um, I'll go in and just look up different golf logos to see what's already been done. Like what does the landscape look like from a design standpoint? Um, just to make sure I'm not 
either doing something remotely similar to what's already been done. So, um, yeah, Google's sort of the quick and easiest way to, to kind of do a, um, a down and dirty research on, uh, on what's been done. Do you check up for other logos after or before, before you before you finished? Um, it's sort of throughout, I mean, primarily it starts, it starts at the very beginning. Um, but that, as I continue to create and, and, and refine my own mark, um, I kind of expand my search to make sure that it's, you know, not necessarily, you know, tripping anything or any marks from other categories. Um, so I'll do it throughout, but primarily it's in the very beginning just to understand like what's been done and are there any white spaces when it comes to what I'm doing to kind of like mark my own territory, so to speak, when it comes to the, that, that logo I'm, I'm working on. Mm. Yeah, definitely. When did you first get into design? When did you first realize that you wanted to be a designer? Um, Good question. So, uh, I grew up, I, I have a like long history of artists in my, in my family. Um, initially I thought I was going to be a, a fine arts major when I was going through high school and even thinking about going on to college. Um, and it was around like ninth or 10th grade that I realized, um, I hated getting messy with paints and oils. So I strictly, I, I kind of, um, always used, uh, like pencil and eraser or even pen. I just hated the hated paint. Um, and I guess one day in, in high school, I voiced my frustrations to, to then my art teacher and he suggested getting into, um, you know, graphic design. Cause if you think about it, it's certainly less messy than, uh, playing around with paints. Um, and from there I, I, you know, I was very fortunate enough that my high school at the time, this is going back on um, in the late nineties, um, offered, um, sort of an introduction to graphic design. Um, here in America, that kind of was a, um, an anomaly of sorts because you just you didn't get that type of education until you went on to college. Um, but our high school, um, again, I was very fortunate to be going to a high. I was fortunate enough to be going to a high school that offered that. So in like tenth grade, I think was my first sort of um, dabble in working on a computer, like the old Max. Oh, like nice. I think it was Photoshop four at the time and Illustrator four. We were still using Quark, like all these crazy old. Um, programs that have either gone away or has since evolved. Um, but that's when I first started getting into design. And um, I knew immediately I loved it because I started um, actually skipping my lunch period during school and going back to the design lab and working on projects. Um, and it's funny, it's still a feeling I get to this day, like wanting to give up something in order to go work um, uh, on different design projects, whether they're logos or anything else that I do. Uh, but yeah, early in high school was sort of when I first fell in love with it. Um, and then it became just this long journey, um, after high school and into college where I just really kind of got a more of a proper education, um, and kind of explored it as a possible career. Cool. Well, uh, for, for like all the Europeans out there, what, what sort of ages, uh, eighth grade? Um, so I think in, in, uh, let's see, um, in 10th grade, I was roughly like 15, 16. Okay, cool. Um, that's yeah. That's when I was kind of exposed to it, and then uh, yeah. So kind of early, kind of not as early as you, which which <laughs> sucks, man. You beat me to it, but um, yeah, it's certainly at, at a at a at a relatively young age than I think than than most here in in the states. Cool. Well, you got a confusing gray system. No one's ever going to understand it. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. But that's awesome that you found it, and you had the had the college that well the um, the school that you know had the facilities. Um, I think my light just went off in the yeah. room here. There it goes. I guess it's something. Yeah, something had the facilities that to um, it, uh, to let you do that, and, and 
Yeah. Oh man, I'm so I'm so thankful for it. I even a lot of times I think back and, and wonder what would happen had I not had those opportunities. Yeah. So um, I'm yeah I'm super grateful to my to my high school in upstate New York, Saratoga Springs. Shout out to them um, for yeah for giving us that opportunity because again no one really had it. And then going into college, I sort of had to leg up on some of the students because I had just you know some of that initial initial exposure yeah. to the different um, programs um, before anyone else did. So what's, what's your, I mean, that's definitely an advantage, obviously, going into college. Um, what college did you go to? Uh, I went to the College of St. Rose right. in Albany, New York. Um, it's one of the accredited um, uh, design programs. Uh, it's, it's recognized by the Art Directors Club um, of New York. So, um, again, the, on paper, could there have been other schools and better universities to go to? Absolutely. Like, you know, like the RISDs of the world and Temple and, um, places like that. Um, but at the time I just didn't, I didn't get a, uh, the advisor. It was so early on like, in, in, in the design and advertising world that a lot of the high school advisors that we were talking to just didn't know about that stuff. So, mm. um, uh, I kind of landed at the college of St. Rose cause I was also playing baseball at the time. So I wanted to be able to play the sport that I loved. Um, but then also, you know, um, explore this thing that I had just recently fallen in love with, which was design. So the college of St. Rose, um, provide a, a really strong baseball program as well as design. Um, although I did go on a, on a, um, an art scholarship, thank God. Um, because halfway through my, uh, halfway through, uh, my four years there, um, I quit baseball in order to go full on. And cause it's the, the, the curriculum at, at St. Rose just demanded the amount of time. I just, there was so much we had to do and get done that I couldn't play baseball anymore. Um, that's how like, under uh, under the gun we were with getting our work done. So um, again, thankfully I was here on an art scholarship, so I was dedicated to to that part as opposed to to baseball. Do you still follow it? Do you still play? Uh, not really. Um, I guess you could say I went pro in in, in graphic design and advertising, <laughs> um, which is certainly where where my strengths um, lied. Not so much in baseball. I, d I did well. I was decent, um, but certainly wasn't going to make a career out of it by any means. Um, again, I. But it's great because. I'm truly, truly passionate and I love the world of design and all the different forms that he sort of transcends to. Um, so um, I couldn't have, I couldn't be more happy than where, where I am now. Um, yeah. Cool. I mean, everything, everything includes design. Everything we see around us is designed. So uh, 1, one day they'll, they'll merge. Um, what's, what's your most used font? Ooh. Um, Man, I, I'm I'm sort of more in love. Uh, it usually, just boils down to like in the project I'm working on, right? But yeah. I guess um, you know to answer your question, I tend to be more in sort of the sans serif fonts. Um, there certainly is a place for serif fonts. They're they're gorgeous, and there's obviously a ton out there. Um, but in the work that I typically do, usually I see myself going in the sans serif, um, you know, uh, area. Um, they're just, it's still versatile and it just, I, it probably just appeals more to me because that's just the type of work I'm doing. Um, but again, back to my earlier point too, about like being honest and being true to the project that I'm working on. If, if there's a particular logo, um, that suggests that I need to use either sans serif or serif, then, you know, I take a close look at that and just make the, the best call. Um, cause it's never in favor of, of, you know, the artist. It's always in favor of the client that I'm working on and ultimately the brand that they, I feel they, they deserve or they think they deserve. Um, but you know, typically I'd say it's probably 
80% sans serif, 20% um, serif. And, you know, again, love fonts like all, a lot of the grotesque fonts. Uh, Gotham is one I think we all use. Certainly fonts like Helvetica. Um, yeah, some of those almost like headline fonts are quite beautiful. Um, and I love playing around and exploring with them. So, yeah, it's definitely good to remember, the, obviously, the meaning and the, and the brand as well. Um, it's obviously using a sans, a sans serif for like a, a posh luxury boutique probably wouldn't be the best solution. So, yeah. Exactly. Um, cool. Uh, what's, what's the most valuable design book you've read? I mean, I saw on, on Instagram stories the other day that you've just been buying some, uh, <laughs> made some great deals as well. <laughs> like in, what is it? Like, um, like a trade shop? Yeah, it was such a score, man, because I've been looking at, um, uh, I've been looking at this book and potentially buying it on Amazon for, it's been sitting in my Amazon card for like forever. It's, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a $20 book for some reason. It's one of those like, ah, do I need another, another design book, you know, um, to, to, to clutter up the house. So I never really kind of, you know, bought the book. Um, but yeah, as you saw in my weird Instagram story, um, there's a really cool bookstore here in Tennessee where you can like literally go in and just like trade books in, um, and I had a ton, so I decided to trade them in to see what kind of like you know trade in value I can get, and I uh, got quite a bit. I think I traded in like twenty bucks and got like forty bucks back nice. in trade in value. And um, it's a used bookstore, so there, there's there's everything, right? Aisle after aisle, just amazing books. And uh, I've had some luck finding some cool stuff there before, so I I went back this weekend, and uh, sure enough, man, check this thing out, dude. Oh, so it's jealous. such really a good book. Um, it's called the American Trademark Designs, a survey of 732 marks, logos, and corporate identity and symbols. I mean, it's gorgeous. One, it's just like all nice and faded. It's great. It's probably like 30, 40 years old. Who knows? Um, but just the layout of it, man. I mean, look at this stuff. Like a lot of just, you know, again, I think we talked earlier about these logos and these marks that are like stand, you know, stood the test of time rather. Um, they're all in here, man. So, um, yeah, it's just cool to have found that, you know, at the store. And dude, I got it for free, like even better. So I saved myself twenty bucks. Uh, twenty bucks got the book that I wanted, um, and I haven't really dived into it yet. But um, in just flipping the pages, man, as you saw, um, some incredible marks. I love that they're all in black and white. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's because they were trying to save money on the publication here, um, but I'm a firm believer that um, you know all logos should start in black and white because if it can be done in black and white, you can certainly add color. Um, usually not the other way around. Um, so I just love how they kept all these sort of in just bold, bold black and white, knowing that eventually um, most of these did go into the color form. Um, but yeah, it's probably my favorite. I have a ton. Um, that's my most recent. This one's good. Uh, Herbie Ballon. So massive. Good. Like 8,000 pages of just Herb being Herb, you know? Um, but uh, yeah, I picked this up a while ago. Um, it's probably one of my favorite designers of all time, too. Like a lot of the old school guys, as you know, I'm sure we all love, you know, from the Paul Rand era. But uh, Luke Bounds, one of my favorite. And I came across this book um, a couple of years ago when I think it was released in Germany. I think I'm not quite sure. Um, but another, another great book. And beyond these two, there are probably stacks and stacks more. Um, but just some kind of like my, my more recent finds as well, some of the ones I kind of currently go back to and draw some inspiration from. These are certainly um, a couple that rise to the top. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that, that one that's um, yeah, been in your Instagram, uh, the one that's been on your uh, Instagram profile and, that, and the, the American type box, um, it's been in my uh, uh, cart for ages as well on Amazon. And But it's something, having it... The you're talking about this one here? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I couldn't. Uh, dude, <laughs> yeah. I gotta, I gotta find you one and, and send it, man. Unless you, 
which you can obviously buy it on Amazon. I mean, it's only twenty dollars, so but but there's something like having it because it is such an old book, having it secondhand and having it like a little bit faded. There's something special about that as well. Oh, it's dude! It's I wouldn't have it any other way. That's why I think that this trip was so special because the way I found it, it's going to be so yeah. so much more memorable than like obviously getting in the mail, which you know would have been one thing, but. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, as you saw from my expression on, on that Instagram story, I flipped out um, when I found it there. Yeah, yeah. Such a good find. Awesome. I'll have to purchase it. Um, so, next question. Uh, oh, yeah, that's it, pretty much it. What, what's your number one design tip? What would do you, What tip would you give to creators? Oh, man, there's so many. But, um, yeah, I, I think a little bit of what we talked about earlier, right? Like, um I feel a lot of times, and I'm just generalizing here, that a lot, you know, we make logos sometimes to satisfy our own creative needs, and kind of we we sometimes put the artists first um, when when it's a paying job or when a client has come to you and asks, you know, specifically for a logo to represent mm. their company. I think a lot of times we can easily get caught up on um, making a mark that um, just looks nice, and it's just something that we just want to do, as opposed to really thinking and getting in. Um, and kind of digging in and thinking more from a conceptual angle and, you know, what's going to work best for this client or for this customer. So I think always kind of keeping that in mind, um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's it's a mark that's going to live everywhere for them as a business. Um, so making sure that, you know, we, we do it justice and um, do right by them um, by keeping them first um, while bringing our, our talent and our knowledge of, you know, creating logos and designs um, for them. Um, and then, you know, always just being conceptual too. How can you sort of make this mark, um, represent what they do? Um, kind of giving that like added layer of depth by being conceptual, um, and making it unique and different from everything that's out there. Um, and then like, lastly, just like, just put in the work, you know, I think every logo that I've done up until this point, um, while it, you know, it, it exists ultimately at the, at the, uh, at the end of the process is one mark in, in color and black and white, um, I could show you sketch, you know, sketch pads full of initial takes that either didn't work or somehow led to the final mark. Um, but it's just putting in the time and the energy. That's probably the most important thing is putting in the time and energy and really, really exploring um, from the very get-go on paper. And then even when you bring it onto the computer, um, allowing the, the computer to also be another tool to continue your exploration. Um, my process never stops Um you know, before the computer and on it, I'm always tinkering and playing, doing, you know, variations and, um, you know, versions of things. So, um, I mean, that's, that's part of the, you know, part of what we, that's the fun and what we do, right. We get to, to create. So, um, always kind of finding inspiration and pushing ourselves during the, the creation part to, um, to, uh, to have fun and, and, and explore, um, different ways in. Cause there's never really one answer really. Um, you can find different ways in and it's just a matter of figuring out what's the best way. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Um, finally, where can people find you and where can people say hello? Um, certainly. Uh, so, I mean, on Instagram, I think that's where you and I connected. Um, thanks for reaching out, by the way. Right. Uh, my Instagram handle is um, at IAM underscore LGD. Um, that's my own personal stuff and, and what I'm into. Um, if for some reason any of your followers like, uh, motorcycles and things like that. I also have a, um, my own side business that I do a lot of design work for called uh, the Godspeed Company. You can find, you can follow along there at, God, at Godspeed Co. on Instagram. But that's where I'm, I'm most active. Um, or just drop me an email, logston.chris at gmail.com. Um, I love talking logos and talking design. So please, for either um, yourself, 
Mark or any of your followers, um, please hit me up on either Instagram or through email. Um, I certainly enjoy these these types of discussions and even love seeing work from other people. So um, yeah, yeah, you can find me in both those places. Thank you very much for being on the show. It's great. Yeah, thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Creative Waffle. You can check out Chris on Instagram. His Instagram handle is I am underscore LGD. I am underscore LGD. Also, a fun fact we didn't mention in the podcast is that he created the Vayner X logo. And if you have a look at it, it's actually really awesome. It's, it's a really, really awesome logo with the V and the X in that, in that symbol. So thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Watch on the internet, you can check out Design, the creative hub of the Creative Waffle podcast. And if you're listening on YouTube, it would be amazing if you could leave us a review and a like and a comment. That would be, be great. And some feedback um, on how we can improve and any other questions you want to ask the guests. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. We're nearly at 200 followers. That would be amazing if we can get there by the end of the week. Anyway, thank you very much, and I'll see you in the next one.